indeed. 372 pages is back, baby. Connor, how are you? I'm good, Mike. I uh, the the Stygian winter of Vermont has not yet raised its lithe and slender form across our gunmetal skyline. So, oh, <laughs> your fetish eyes are your orbs. Your fetish Wait, orbs my, are observing me. Yeah, my oval has not yet uh, turned <laughs> westward. So. Oh man, that's uh, good. It's good. Uh, oh, this is so. Why don't you explain <laughs> what we're doing? Because uh, we're excited. We're leaping in before we've even told people what this is. Right. This is 372 pages. We'll never get back. And we're reading terrible books or books we think are going to be terrible. We're not. We're going in blind. And this one is The Eye of Argon by Jim Thys, a 16 year old boy who wrote this in the uh, 70s and submitted it to the Ozark Sci Fi Association Journal. Uh, where they published it, and then he was proceeded to be mocked mercilessly at weird sci-fi conventions all around the country for this, uh, you know, 15,000-word novella he had written as a 16-year-old. Yep, and we're jumping in below <laughs> these many years later, long yes. after this ship has sailed. But uh, we're doing it proudly. We, uh, this this podcast, we have taken on the works of Ernest Klein before, and uh, this is the rebirth. This is what? Do we call it season three or uh, what do we call I it? I think so. Yeah. I mean, you know, uh, since it's so short, Jim Tice would probably call it uh, season 2.5. <laughs> yes. uh, we'll get to that later. But uh, yeah, I think season three is a good way to do it. I mean, who knows? This could be uh, there's really only half the book left, but who knows how much longer we could we could dive into this. People seem excited by it. There's been a few people who have even heard of it before, like read it, you know, on the Usenet back in the 90s. So uh, I, th- I think it was a good choice. I think so too. And um, before we dive in, I'm very excited about it. By the way, <laughs> this is far more far more fun for me than uh, the Ready Player One was. All right. Um, but uh, first of all, uh, who are we? You're well, you're Connor. I'm, I'm Connor Lestoka, and yeah. uh, that's and, me. And I am Michael J. Nelson. Uh, Connor and I work together over at RiffTracks.com. Got to get our plug in for that, Connor. We'd be remiss. Yeah, we heard we from some. We heard from some guy this week that was like, "Yeah, I just started listening to this podcast, and you know, after eighteen hours of it or so, I decided to check out this riff tracks thing you guys were talking about." <laughs> like, it's like, it's like, uh-huh. oh, that's an outlier. That's. Yeah. Uh... I love the construction of that. All right, yeah. I mean, let's dive in. Let's wait no longer. Oh, yeah. All right. Um, so... Wait, wait. I should tease our departments, Connor. We always oh, got to yeah. tease our departments. We have a uh, real or fanfic is coming up. I'm so excited. Yes. It's the return yes. of it. Yeah, uh, it's, um, it's back. There's some there's some good ones. Fans wrote it in, but there was also uh, I have Argon fanfic that already existed. Yeah, there was, there was not much of it, but the one that existed is uh, oh, it's a doozy. Oh, you're it's, gonna you're you're <laughs> it's gonna be really good. Well, I expect the same uh, success rate as we had in Ready Player One, which is coin flip success rate. Right. It's got a good, it's an imitable style. So people had fun with it, I think. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, I think that's our one department, right? Well, uh, if only no. Uh, once again, I, oh. have, uh, I have I've gone to my sources. As you know, <laughs> I'm in showbiz, as you know. And uh, yeah, there, there is a fully produced... Of audiobook of the Eye of Argon. Whoa! And uh, someone leaked some uh, scenes from it for me because I was wondering how how does this play out? And we'll get into this in a second. It's very difficult sometimes to get your mind's eye around what's happening in this. The prose is a little dense, 
Yeah. <laughs> a little <Yeah>. thick, <laughs> a little exhausting. So I want to see how they handle it. So I, I went to my sources in Hollywood. So that's coming up. So, so they produced bit. the audiobook, but then just sort of sat on the shelf like, uh, yeah, I like, guess you know how the, the, it's like the, Chinese democracy by Guns N' Roses, or yeah, Duke or um, like the Princess Bride was sitting around for a long time. That script was you know fifteen years old before it was huh. produced, and so I guess I of Argon is the same deal. So maybe we'll revive interest in it yeah, and they'll release that. Devoted toward it, that might get some uh, some momentum rolling for it. Good for them. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> all right, let's dive in with general impressions. Connor, go. Yeah, I mean, well, you said uh, it's better than I than I hoped it would be. You know, like we said, people recommend stuff to us, and you're never certain whether it's going to work. But I think this is delightful. Uh, I'm reading it on my Kindle, and then <laughs> sort of double checking it with the e-text version because um, that makes for easier copying and pasting. But then there's also that uh, scan of the magazine of the Ozark Sci-Fi Association Journal, which is the original form. So I find myself sort of comparing all three because it's really it, it's a nice window into into Tice's madness to see the original uh, Jack Torrancey kind of text because you know the the Kindle version, the D text version is is riddled with typos, but it's also you can never tell what's a typo and what's a weird fantasy term or something he made up. And even even place names that he made up are spelled wrong multiple times. Um, so but it's fun to see the, the the typewritten thing because it's an actual typewriter. And on some of these things, he's gone back and, and corrected them. Um, and other ones, he just completely either didn't realize he made a mistake or ignored. But the uh, Ozark Journal printed him uh, typos and all. So it's it's a very unique experience to sort of like it's like a Rosetta Stone almost. You're comparing these these texts. Um, yeah, you're doing so, real Dan Brown level stuff here of just going back to the you know textual criticism and did he mean yes. this? And then you got to <laughs> right. go visit the secret library under the castle and right, yeah, you've sort of got it, uh, a yarn wall with the the hideous illustrations that are in the book as well. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's a sort of a window into the madness, and I keep find, finding myself trying to picture what this guy looked like because I, I there's no. Um, there's no, as far as I know, pictures, like maybe someone will turn up his yearbook or something like that. Uh, but I, the, the one that I kept landing on, I sort of envisioned him as the uh, uh, Martin Starr character on Freaks and Geeks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, the, I, I, I was torn either way. There was like, you know, the, the trench-coated, stringy-haired, uh, like, you know, all-black uh, kind of kid. Um, and, you know, parts of that, parts of that make sense. Uh, but I, th I feel like the, the the geek with the the Coke bottle glasses, who's very quiet, but then goes home and sort of unleashes this uh, this bizarre uh, side of his personality into the into the text was was more in line with with what that was all about. And, he might have wait, some friends. Wait a second. Like, Never once did you assume that it was a nom de plume of a sort of attractive uh, eighteen year old woman who yes. <laughs> was maybe a lifeguard on the uh, right the windy peppercorn. The or like the captain of the football team, uh, just sort of <laughs> trotting this out as he was like, you know, they're they're at halftime and they're like, Come on, you know, we're we're up by one in the state finals and he's like, I'll be right there. I've just got a uh, type out the this description of the grotesque jade idol uh, and the the uh, be perfumed priests who are worshiping it, the uh, shaman. But we'll get to that. <laughs> we'll get to that uh, later. Yeah, oh, my my impressions. Um, it's a ton of fun. It's a little, as you say, it's it's a bit exhausting because of the uh, <laughs> the many versions of the text you have to go to, and like you say, you can't believe like 
this word is not real. This typo is a typo of a typo. You know, you start because <laughs> it can't be. But then uh, uh, you go, yeah, you go back to the source and like, I'll be damned. There it is. That's what he wrote. But it's also exhausting in terms of your mind's eye because I'm used to, you know, I think we all are. You're reading the book. You're attempting. You're giving it your best shot at reconstructing everything in your mind's eye. And that's what I found exhausting. Like, wait, what? What? <laughs> Right. What am I supposed to be looking at? There's like dusty <laughs> ground, but then there are grass and he's falling right. in the, like where where is this all happening? So that <laughs> that gets tough after a while cuz you you give it your best faith effort in your own mind. And you can sort of see where things are are coming from just because it is all pretty cliché. Like it's pretty pretty by the numbers. Like in your your you know immediately the the picture of Grigner um you sort of calls to mind like a Fabio um, sort of guy. There's a, a Nintendo game called Wizards and Warriors 2 that is pretty much, I think, verbatim what this character looks like. But it's, you know, Fabio wearing the thing, you know, holding a sword, long hair type of thing. But this guy was also writing this in the, in the early 70s. So like a lot of these cliches uh, that we're sort of used to uh, weren't, <laughs> were certainly not widespread. They were in his weird little corner of the, uh, of the comic book store. So, you, you know, a he little, little credit. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yes. Uh, invented modern fantasy is is the is the thing that is my takeaway. End it now, Jim Tice, father of modern fantasy. That's right. Well, the thing I want to give him credit for, in contrast to uh, <laughs> Mr. Klein, is that never once does he say, "Look, just picture, you know, so and so the barbarian, and that's who you're." Right. He doesn't do that. He's, he, you know, there are no references to anything else. He's whatever those references are are uh, buried with with Mr. Tice. We don't know <laughs> what he was reading that brought right. this out. But That's true. Yeah, you can kind of guess. I'm sure if someone did a real deep dive analysis, like where is he getting the word sward from? Sure. S-W-A-R-D. And where is he getting the word sucred, which right. he uses? Well, we'll get to that. We'll get to the okay. specifics. But yeah, I mean, you know, he was obviously reading something that, that got him into the word Stygian and wench and all that stuff. But my knowledge of all this stuff is is non-existent. Like, I have no idea, like, what this could possibly be, like, what fantasy other than Tolkien he could be reading, whether it's like, I don't know, those two guys named Terry that both write series. I don't know if those were around in the 70s and... Um, I guess it might be just like, you know, dime store pulp fantasy garbage type of stuff. But um. yeah, it must be. I don't know. It's not, um, you know, it doesn't seem to be like the older stuff, like Edgar Rice Burroughs or uh, who's huh. the other guy that uh, the, the early fantasy stuff. I'll think of his name later. Uh, no, although that's a good that's a good reference, too. So right. who knows? So the uh, his his path to this is opaque to us. Um, we don't, <laughs> which we'll get to in a moment. We don't know where these references came from, but, uh, what should we do? Should we dive in? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Um, let's, uh, let's get started. Uh, so it starts and I wanted to sort of like, there's, there's backstory, obviously this is a very short book, but I wanted to figure out where we were at, like as it started. So I sort of took notes in the first chapter. And so correct me if any of this sounds wrong. Uh, we're in the Norgolian empire Yes, that's, where, that's the greater like the, that's the world, I guess. Or um, and then so Grigner, are we going to be okay with saying it that way? Yeah, Grigner. Okay. Uh, yeah, that's how it. That, <laughs> I think it, it is spelled a couple different ways, but I believe Grigner. Yes. Okay. <laughs> so he's an Ecordian. Ecordian, yes. Yeah. Um, 
who has been captured by Sumerians. Is it clear that he's captured at the beginning? Oh, yes, because it's part of the flashback. Yeah, I guess so. so. But he's heading Gorzum. He's heading to Gorzum. Uh, The the flashback implies that, yes, he was captured. But I didn't, from starting at the beginning, I wasn't clear. It was just like there's three shapes going through the desert. Yeah, it's. The, I was very unclear about that too, and I went back and read it because I thought there were three guys who captured him. I guess they could be going the opposite direction from him and encountering his one shape. But to to for us to be unclear about this is <laughs> stunning because I, I I just I I took note. I mean, we're gonna get into this, but there are thirteen adjectives in the first paragraph, which is, I mean, it's amazing. To, to, he gets into a lot of adverbs later, but for, for the sheer amount of description that he lays on in the, in the first paragraph and then in every following sentence, uh, to be unclear about anything is a tremendous accomplishment. And it, this is a very, very brief chapter. This is scene setting, and the scene is, I cannot picture what's going on. <laughs> but yeah, it's sort of, uh, he's, it's, you imagine that he's progressing through the desert. He, he encounters these two uh, people, a violent encounter ensues um, during which he pierces their vital organs and entrails, spills their escaping life fluid, mm-hmm. um, which is a delightful way to to make the process of getting bowed somehow sound, sound even more revolting. <laughs> yes, but I'd like to just go back to the terrain if I could, because oh, yeah. in the first sentence, I'm, <laughs> I'm thrown. What is dust racked? <laughs> So the place is wrecked, wrecked by dust. Racked means, you know, in this case, what he's going for is, I think, W-A-R-C. It's, okay. He, he misspelled it. <laughs> in the first sentence. Uh, but dust racked. And mm-hmm. then then age-worn hoof prints were smothered by the sifting sands of time. Yet, so they're smothered by the, time, the sands, <laughs> yet they shone dully against the dust-splattered <laughs> crust of earth. <laughs> I'm really having a hard time picturing that. And then later, just a few sentences later, it's a sward. It's a grass, a grassy land. It's like, oh, so I think he just, I think he was pulling the, the sward is the one that really threw me off. Sward is a word. That's not a misspelling. It's not a misspelling. Sward is a a grassy, a a grassy surface. That's all it means. (laughs) It just means the lawn. (laughs) So, but between dust racked and uh, and dust, what was it? The dust racked. It was and dust racked, and and just in the same sentence, dust splattered. Dust splattered, crust. So. Splattered implies that, like, I mean, dust is a very like dispersed. This, like, you know, you don't you don't throw dust against something and then have it sort of stay there and, and shoot outwards. The dust then, you know, uh, blows away in the wind. Yes, it's but then the hoof prints, the hoof prints shown dully. That was the one that I noted. That was my favorite. How <laughs> <laughs> is this shining? Happening? Oh wow, it's shining. It, it, to to shine dully is like you know it's a it's negation immediate. It's fantastic. Oh, there's one in I think chapter three and a half that is the classic of that. Um, but that's coming up. <laughs> I like speaking of negating. He uh once he's he's disemboweled the guys. So he's 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 murdered two men. I mean he's a barbarian. So whatever. But uh, his immediate reaction after killing these two people. The enthused barbarian. <laughs> yes. <scribbled> about. <laughs> oh, boy. Right. Yeah. oh, boy. Oh, boy. I just disemboweled two guys. Look at their lifeblood. 
you're eight years old and you're and your your mom just surprised you being like why don't we go to mcdonald's for lunch it's like oh wow <laughs> what an enthusiastic reaction but then he shake he shakes his shock of fiery red hair tossing robustly in the humid air currents yep. which i thought was great because you know the humidity is really the condition that we associate with with good hair uh robust hair like humidity is what really gets all of that going um so well, that, also thought, also in the desert it's pretty humid <laughs> but i guess the humidity keeps those uh, occasional swords that people land on that's the only reason <laughs> they exist um the guy who he disembowels uh a gasping gurgle from the soldier's writhing mouth as he tumbled to the golden sand at his feet and wormed agonizingly in his deathbed. And I just, I like to imagine that being like, you know, the, uh, the party guy who actually jumps down and does the dance move, the worm in the middle of the dance floor. Because uh, <laughs> that makes it, uh, you know, just to cast a fun little light on it. Uh, here's a, a puzzler for you. Uh, when he says stead repeatedly, he means steed? Right, because later he refers to stead, and it's pretty clear it's a horse. But in the first <sighs> paragraph, he says, uh, "The one guy, you know, gives him the the fighting insult." I don't have it written right here, but then he returns it with, "Only after you have kissed the fleeting stead of death, wretch." Returns wow. Grignar. <laughs> so the, um, I'm assuming he means steed. It's just it's like a term, the fleeting steed of death. It's got to be. And we're going to get told that, like, you know, in, in ye old English, you know, we're, we're idiots for not knowing what's dead. Meant, I'm sure but, there's plenty of that. coming. But up. he also he also calls the mounts very frequently, too, because uh, so, I mean, he, he does sort of interchange those. But he uses mounts, you know, like five times in the first page. Um, so uh, mounts, steeds. And maybe we're ignorant for thinking that they're horses. Maybe there's some sort of mythical beast that he's just assuming we know. Oh, that could be. That could be. Yeah. <laughs> but like, so these typos are, are very, are very tricky because there are, uh, there are times when I'm not sure what he means. And I'm, I, I'm, you know, it's like, I, maybe he means this word because there's a, there's an obvious typo that it could be, but it could be some weird, you know, old English or fantasy term. And <laughs> I, I started, started Googling these things and I have since stopped uh, because the, pretty much the first two things that I thought might typos uh, might be typos that I googled have utterly revolting uh, urban dictionary entries. Oh no! What? So what, he, uh, what were they? He had barely managed to escape through the back entrance of the inn he had be guzzling in as a squad of squad of soldiers tounced upon him. Oh yes, yes, tounced. I, I, of course, put the R in there mentally. But is that not yes. so? I, I mean, it is something you would not guess it in a million years what this means. And it's so absurd that clearly it's one of those things that it is just someone just made up. Uh, but it's been on Urban Dictionary for like 10 years. And it's the first it's the first reaction. I'm not even going to go into describing Thank it because it's, it's you know, we, we joke about the inflatable cows because those are the kind of uh, deviant behavior we can all get behind. But this one was just it's not appropriate for a. For a family podcast. I appreciate you withholding that. I but think this is insane. audience does too. <laughs> so don't Google Tounced is what I'm saying. T-O-U-N-C-E-D. No. Uh, but when I went to that page, this is, I'll post a picture of it, but the, like there's, I guess, these standard uh, urban dictionary ads that you can, you can buy merchandise with these definitions are. So it says, get a Tounce mug for your father-in-law, Gunter. What? Yeah. What like, is happening? You know, it was Gunter with an umlaut, but like that was a uh, that was <laughs> it was like, do I have cookies on here? Are they, you know, is there some sort of uh, uh, tracking going on with this? But I think it was just an incredible coincidence. Wow. 
Yeah. Oh, how deep does this go? <laughs> man. But, so then I had one more uh, thing that turned up like that. The, in chapter two, when he goes into the into the inn or the the, the brothel or the hostel or whatever he is, the air was heavy with chalking fumes. And I was like, I think he means choking, but I'm going to check. <laughs> And again, I immediately regretted that. So not oh, as bad no. as Towns, but it was a uh, it was a bad one. Oh no! Um, well, I mean, chalking. I guess you you know you chalk a wheel. So while you're chalking a wheel, you are chalking. <laughs> but I, I assume that that's not what you're referring to. No, nope, no. Yeah, I didn't. It was not a uh, auto maintenance term. Okay. <laughs> um, but, uh, my question was about this. Is This is probably, I'm going to be yelled at for this, but he talks about a steel shod blade. Okay. Shod. Shoes. That's his, <laughs> his blade has shoes on it. And I couldn't not picture that. It was like steel shod. Oh, so he's these weird little steel shoes sticking out where the, you know, where the, the little scabbard thing is. Yeah, the, the shoe, the sword could sort of walk alongside him like a helpful dog or something. Yeah. And then he uses this a couple of times, cleft upward. We know what a cleft is, right? But I don't think it's, it's like, a, I don't think it's a verb. Cleft. He uses that to like cut something, he means? I guess. I think he just, I think that's one where he just failed. I could be wrong. Maybe it's just a fantasy term. Maybe they've just, they use it incorrectly and everyone just accepts that. But that one stuck in my mind. Um, well, he's, do you have anything more about the fight or anything like that? I mean, he, he disembowels these guys, but we don't really know who they are and we, we don't care. No, I don't really. I mean, I was just trying to puzzle out what was happening. And then luckily we get that, we get the, uh, the little prequel thing. We get the explanation. Yeah. Yes. That We're, was, uh, I, I was delighted by that. It sort of took me two times to read it, to understand how, uh, how clumsy it was, but it was great once I, once it finally clicked. Well, I found it delightful, too, and I pictured, and you've agreed to do this. I'd like you to read it in total. It's only two short paragraphs of what got him in this predicament where he was heading to Gorzum. And, uh, you know, it's just we're in the middle of action, and suddenly it stops. And, oh, I bet you're wondering why this happened. And uh, so I'll I'll pretend to be the guy who's asking you why. Oh, hey, uh, Grignar. Hey, you're headed to Gorzum. What, what, (laughs) What caused that, man? What's going on? Ah, uh, yes. The trek to Gorzom was forced upon me when the soldiers of Kryn were leashed upon me by a faithless concubine I had wooed. My scandalous activities throughout the Sumerian city had unleashed throngs of havoc and uproar amongst its refined patricians, leading them to tack a heavy reward over my head. I had barely managed to escape through the back entrance of the inn I had been guzzling in as a squad of soldiers tounced upon me. After spilling a spout of blood from the leader of the mercenaries, as I dismembered one of the officer's arms, I retreated to my mount to make my way towards Gorzum, rumored to contain hordes of plunder and many young wenches for any man who has the backbone to wrest them away. Oh, yeah, that checks out. Hey, have a great trip, man. <laughs> just, and that's the end of, end of chapter. Yes. <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's a standard, you know, like just uh, just checking in with him, like you know, how did you wind up here? Like elevator conversation, really. Yeah, I just love it. He realizes suddenly that now oh, the audience is is they are going to wonder why he's going to Gorzum. I better tell. Them. <laughs> <laughs> but so the but it, so you know he he kills these guys and he's 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 heading towards Gorzum at that point. So they're like he's heading towards Gorzum. Let's end with his flashback, and then the flashback also ends with him heading towards Gorzum, you know, because he was heading towards Gorzum at the beginning of the chapter. It just omits 
the activity that already happened at the beginning of the chapter. So it, it, they both end at the same point, but with like a little, it's like a, there's a tesseract in between where these two points are joined, but he just right. omits the the other thing. So it was very, very clumsy <laughs> because it'd be like if I, uh, you know, was about to eat breakfast and then a bunch of robbers broke in, I, I had to fight them off. Uh, you know, I, I, I burned the house down. And then I, you know, went to Waffle House to eat breakfast. But then I flashed back to me waking up and getting ready to eat breakfast. They're not the same points in time, <laughs> but yet with a clumsy author, they they are depicted as such. Well, that's I don't think I realized until we started talking about that 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 was supposed to be that point. I I just assumed it was he was mid journey, but no, he is looping it back. It's like yes, a, it's yeah, like memento. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I didn't uh -huh. even get that. So yeah, that's how chapter one ends, and uh, they 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 pick right up with uh, probably it's it's really the 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 heart of this of this section was chapter two. It's where we really get into the uh, we really we really learn what makes Tice tick. I think in this chapter. Yeah, he wrote his way into this, and this is you know now it's his magnum opus is chapter two. Although he does kick things up, and I I a strong contender in chapter four, but we'll oh all right <laughs> we'll <get> okay. <laughs> Yeah, he goes, uh, this is my favorite, the opening sentence is great. The red-haired giant strode into the dimly lit hostelry, reeking of foul odors and cheap wine. So it's the red-haired giant who is reeking of foul <laughs> odors and cheap wine, which is probably true. I mean, given that he, you know, had to be at that other inn, sure. he had to spill a gout of blood and chop off the right. arm of a guy. He got so tounced. That would cause some foul odors. And yeah. he was, you know, guzzling wine at that place. So maybe th this is like I'm picturing a very nice hostelry with uh, right, yes. flower uh, patterns, uh, recurring uh, daisy patterns around on the wallpaper. And uh, the harpsichord player like sort of does a, a comical like uh, record scratch as he as they yeah. all notice the yeah. people clinking, clinking their, their uh, silver, I mean, uh, crystal uh, glasses briefly stops. Yeah. So he goes uh, into the hostelry. Yeah, and this the, the punctuation is a is an under underrated facet of this because it causes a lot of confusion itself. Um, the one that I the one that I uh, noted very quickly was when he's sort of observing what's going on here, and, and uh, it's not a it's not a fancy restaurant. He meant to say that this place smells bad because uh, it says that tables were cluttered, clustered tables were clustered with groups of drunken thieves, comma and cutthroats, comma tossing dice, comma or making love to willing prostitutes. And like, so yeah, if you, if you spend any time trying to picture what that would be like, there's all sorts of weird, uh, weird, weird clauses and, uh, the, 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 the imagining what's happening is, is confused by the, by the punctuation rather than clarified, which is the point of punctuation. Uh, excuse me, sir. I'm going to have to ask you to move it along. Uh, <laughs> I beg your pardon. Uh, our sign was very clear. This table reserved for drunken thieves, comma, and cutthroats, comma, tossing dice, comma, or making love to willing prostitutes. You're violating, well, several of the clauses. What are you talking about? I just rolled boxcars. Yes, sir. And as a cutthroat, by rolling dice, you're infringing on the realm of the drunken thieves. That's ridiculous. Uh, it's what the sign says, sir. Well, no, if the sign said... Drunken thieves, parentheses, and cutthroats, close parentheses. Uh, you would assume that us cutthroats were a separate entity who was not allowed to roll dice or make love to willing prostitutes. This is some Oxford comma garbage. Well, I didn't want to say anything, but that leather mug you're holding? Mm, yeah, uh, that's my mead. 
Uh, technically, the thieves are the only party allowed to be drunken. The commas separate that modifier from applying to cutthroats. Oh, oh, we're talking order of operations now? PEMDAS and shit? Sir, this table is clustered enough as it is. Some unlucky, drunken thief just rolled snake eyes on a willing prostitute's butt. So you're telling me that because I'm a cutthroat, I, I can't grab this willing prostitute and make love to her? That's right. And it's because of the commas? No, you can't make love to that willing prostitute because she's not a willing prostitute. She's a trim yound wench. Well, what the hell is a yound wench? Well, what the hell is a cutthroat, sir? Ah, Touche. Well, uh... Look! <laughs> yeah, I just stole that guy's loincloth. Now I'm a thief and I've been drinking. You have to let me stay. Not unless you toss dice or make love to a willing prostitute. Well, fine. Come on. Boom. Seven. Everyone loses. Hey, that guy cost us all our money. Let's taunt him. Oh, no. I bet those cutthroats wish those drunken thieves had never Googled that term. So, yeah, you can see how in, in, in practice that would make it very sure. confusing for the people who are, who are <laughs> trying to participate in those activities, whether they're <laughs> drunken thieves or a cutthroat. Well, it, it helps to to know how to picture it. So that's right. uh, hopefully we can apply this to other things as we move forward with types. Oh yeah. Well, when you said the audiobook existed, I didn't realize that it had the you know it sort of took liberties with the with the text. Yeah, there are problems to solve, and we'll we'll see if that happens uh, <laughs> in a little bit. Here's here's a phrase uh, that made me laugh: "Willing prostitutes." The the unwilling prostitutes go out of business pretty quickly. (laughs) Just hard to sustain that business model. Yeah, they just get sat down. Your heart's not in it, Sheila. uh, (laughs) But yeah, I liked, you know, so he's he's describing, he goes into a lot of depth describing these these prostitutes and the and the encounters with them. And it's it's delightful because. You know, sixteen-year-old uh, Jim Tice, as we said before, I don't know that he was—I uh, don't know that he was, you know, leaving leaving school and then hopping in his Camaro with the head cheerleader, um, so to speak. <laughs> he, yeah. he has a lot. It smacks a lot of uh, a guy talking about his girlfriend at summer camp um, to his uh, to his buddies, or you know, talking about his uh, his older brother who told him about all these about all these sex things that he's he's just passing along as an authority. Yeah, let's just say he's a he's a blind man trying to describe an elephant here. It's not <laughs> it does not work out well. <laughs> so, for instance, he's a uh, he's he's eyeing one of many slender females, um, which I guess is is a compliment, but it's like. It's not like the most, the best compliment you could give someone. Slender just is a, is an, it's just an interesting, interesting choice. But he says he's eyeing a slender female crouched alone at a nearby bench, which crouching is, I think, as we all know, the, the most seductive of all poses. You know, <laughs> she's crouching over her cheap wine, literally. <laughs> she looks like Gollum or something on a bench, like just, you know, huddled there. Well, um, well, he ups the game a little because he describes her so far. You got a picture of her crouching at a I, table. I do. Okay. Yep. And then here's her stringy orchid twines of hair swaying gracefully <laughs> over the lithe, <laughs> opaque nose as she raised a half-drained mug to her pale red lips. Yeah. So I have a picture. Yeah. Janice the Muppet. <laughs> that's what I. That's what I'm picking up. <laughs> that's pretty good. The stringy hair. 
Yeah. red lips. Lithe nose. I guess nose is. I, I've never heard a nose described as lithe, but it's or opa- opaque. It's opaque, which is, I guess, good to know. But is that that doesn't really need stating, does it? <laughs> no, I, I I think it goes without saying. It's not something that you have to specify on your uh, OK Cupid profile whether your whether your skin is translucent or not. However, we have never been to, oh, what's the empire called? Oh, my God. Norgolian Empire. Norgolian Empire. Empire. Or, uh, which Gorzum is a subset. So perhaps, you know, in Gorzum. Some... It is, because immediately after describing that revolting uh, revolting <laughs> puppet, uh, he, he says that she has an alluring complexion. <laughs> yes. So the, bar- the barbarian's into it. Uh, and she has, so she has pale red lips, so they're... I mean, pale red. Okay, he can see. So you can barely discern the redness. Sure. But she has a pair of deep blue ovals. Yeah, I like this. Oval o- ovals a gets that... a workout in this book. Yes. <laughs> and it was funny because it's not just, you know, some weird, uh, it's not Game of Thrones where he's always referring to like a resplendent jerkin. Uh, but like <laughs> ovals gets double duty as heads, eyes. Like it's uh, <laughs> yeah. different. Different things are are assigned this, even though none of them are things that you would would ever call that in real life. I think there's an oval on the uh, the the god later on the like oh, hor- nice. horrible god that I can't yeah. even make out what that oval is supposed to be. <laughs> yeah, his stomach or something probably. But yeah, so that's delightful. But uh, he, so the barbarian walks over to this alluring uh, muppet, and uh, he seated himself upon a stool at the wench's side, exposing his body naked save for a loincloth brandishing a long steel broadsword, blah, 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 blah. And so I think this is the first time, uh, you know, halfway into chapter two that we've been revealed that the the hero has been naked the entire time, which is a bold power move of, uh, (laughs) you know, I think that in, uh, I think that in uh, Beloved, uh, Toni Morrison um, revealed like halfway through the book that the main character had been naked the whole time. And that was controversial (laughs) when she did that. That was, uh, um, I think uh, F. Scott Fitzgerald was known to drop those into his books as well. Well, he also, but he's naked. This is a picture I couldn't make. The loincloth, naked, save for a loincloth. And then if the comma is missing yes. and he's brandishing a long steel sword, that brandishing is a, a verb that means, you know, like a, a threatening with. It's, yeah. It's so, a, the, so he's threatening the, her with a long steel sword well, or is the loincloth threatening? threatening? Yeah, <laughs> <As> the <laughs> loincloth is brandishing a sword covered in shoes. Yes. So oh, there's some fan art. Uh, please, someone. <laughs> um, but it gets, but also, you know, we can uh, yeah, we can hope that the uh, that the that the hostel owner would come by and burn that stool as soon as he uh, as soon as he lifts his his naked ass off of the stool. <laughs> uh, it does get better because the uh, I assume you you pulled this quote as well. The uh, the the woman's immediate response. I'm going to read it as written. Yeah, please do. Thou hast need to occupy your time, barbarian. Questioned the female? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Once again, punctuation. <laughs> she gets an I'm Ron Burgundy thrown in there just because the, the question mark is is put outside of the quotations at the end of the declarative part of that sentence. All right. So he's naked, save for his loincloth. His loincloth is brandishing a sword. And then this happens. He answers only if something worth offering is within my reach. Stated Grignar. As his hands, picture this, crept yes. to embrace the tempting female. Yes. So, who welcomed them with open willingness. Open willingness. <laughs> so he's, he's doing like this little creeper thing with his hands. He's mm-hmm. naked. The sword is coming towards her. 
He's doing the like when you're in the back seat with your brother and you're like, this is my side. And you like walk your fingers over exactly. to like cross. The... <laughs> and she's she welcomes that with open willingness. <laughs> well, yeah, because she's a complying wench. And speaking of terms to get a workout, wench is going to be. Uh, yeah. Along with well, slut, it's, it's going to be yeah. hard to follow. Oh, yes. Slut is fantastic. Uh, <laughs> we'll get to that, though. Um, but yeah, he, uh, he the, the complying Wentz gasps with open willingness mm -hmm. as he smothers her lips with the blazing touch of his flaming mouth. <laughs> so this is really where it's the the kid at uh, the kid at summer camp being like, no, I've definitely I've 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 touched boobs before. Like they're, uh, you know, they, they feel like uh, <laughs> like, you know, whatever, a, a, a water balloon filled with sand. Like, oh, I think he uh I think this next paragraph proves that he's got some uh, some experience <laughs> with the ladies. Here, I, I have to read it in total. There's no other way to convey this, I don't think. It's very short. The engrossed Titan ignored the queries of the inquisitive female, pulling her towards him and crushing her sagging nipples <laughs> to his yearning chest. <laughs> then, so it's like, a, it's like a dog in a puppy mill or something. <laughs> I think the engrossed Titan, I, I wondered if he was trying to maybe go a little naughtier and go for like engorged. Gorged? I don't huh. know. Engrossed. Mm -hmm. Like I'm really, I mean, it's just. Engr it's engrossed just, is like you're, you know, you're, you're watching a TED talk and you're sort of yeah. like, well, that uh, 25 take, minutes flew by quickly. Taking a lot of notes on this thing. I'm going to look more into this. Uh, and then without struggle, she gave in. She had already had that open willingness, but now she gave in. <laughs> Winding her soft arms around the harshly bronzed hide. I, yep, yes. <laughs> it's one word, a bronzed hide of Grignar. I assume Grignars. Grignars, yeah. Corded shoulder blades <laughs> as his calloused hands caressed her firm protruding busts. <laughs> she has two busts. My God, yes. she's hideous. <laughs> but they've firmed up very quickly in the uh, well, well from... the nipples are still sagging, I assume. <laughs> this it is uh this is a monster. <laughs> it is. That is the worst thing that has probably ever been written. <laughs> oh my god, I don't know if you can hear the police siren, but it I can, they're coming to shut it us must down. Have, it must have heard that prose. <laughs> my god. So yeah, so just so yeah, when you're when you're next time you see Janice the Muppet, imagine her with firm protruding breasts with sagging nipples. And uh I'm sure we can actually find a picture of that. And I mean, just to be clear, two busts is four breasts, right? So <laughs> so yeah. Um Hey, which hey, you know, it's a fantasy world. Maybe uh it's it would be ignorant to not make that assumption. That, but then so that that then I believe like in the text, I just have notes, but I, I'm pretty sure that that then smash cuts to him saying, you make love well, wench, admitted Grigner. <laughs> so it's like, so I think they, they, just, they sort of, it's like a comic cut to him smoking a cigarette in bed type of thing. Um, yeah, you think, you're imagining that you just didn't hit the double return and we're in a new... Yes, I am thinking that this guy did not know how it works. Or maybe he just, you know, doesn't know what make love, what make love means. But I also like that he admitted it. Like where some guy was like, you know betting him in the bar that like uh you know david from david and hazel was in 2001 a space odyssey and he's like no and they look at him like all right you got me i admit it like she maybe she challenged him you know from her soft pale red lips you think i can't make love good huh right all i'll right. check out all four of these <laughs> all right you make love well wench but no but that it can't be that smash cut you imagine you're giving him too much credit because immediately 
a flying foot caught the mug Grignar had taken hold of. I mean, huh. I, I guess it's possible he's in bed or something. But well, yeah, I mean, they were on a stool. I, I guess they, I assume that they sort of did it out in the open because people are, you know, finding willing prostitutes on the on the dice rolling tables and stuff. Like, oh, that's true. So we, they could have just they just did it right there. And I think it's out in the open. I think it's that okay. kind of party. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. But speaking of that kind of party, yeah, the uh, the he, the guy, drunken soldier kicks the uh, kicks the mug out of his hand and just says that that the wench belongs to me, and you know. I just thought, like, no matter how drunk you are, like, why doesn't everyone just take five here? Like, <laughs> go take care of whatever you need to do. Like, there's not not any need to follow up your your the barbarian that quickly in this scenario. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and we're only we're only I mean a couple of paragraphs past the point where he's already killed someone and then had a description of how he had spilled the blood of another. Yeah, and that's what happens again. The yep. the thews of the savage's lashing right arm bulging from the <laughs> glistening bronzed bronzed hide is two words now, so maybe that isn't a oh, fantasy wow. term. His blade bit deeply into the soldier's neck, loping off the confused head of his senseless tormentor. And mm-hmm. so here comes Oval. Was a, yes. with a nauseating thud, the severed oval toppled to the floor. <laughs> As the segregated torso of Grignar's bovine antagonist swayed then collapsed in a pool of swirled crimson. What is happening in this? Please tell a me. To un- a lot to unpack. I had that flagged as a potential dumb sentence of the week. And uh, <laughs> I just want to say, uh, first of all, bovine, you say? He's so, he's a cow ah. with a segregated torso. What what happened there? What is- at, least he's, at least he's not a cow with a uh, rotundly inflated torso, is all I have to say. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Ah. You think he was wearing a hell of a ring? It's possible he was. Uh, he had he had gotten trapped in his suit and come out there to recruit the prostitute to deflate him. But yeah, segregated torso. I've never seen that term used to describe like amputated or decapitated type of thing. So that was. But he did He he cut off his head, <laughs> right? I mean that yeah. the oval topple. I guess the oval topples along with your trunk. But he says it bit into the soldier's neck. So what happened to his torso? So his torso, I guess your torso starts at your neck, though, right? And ends at your waist? Oh, I, I don't picture But it's the not his torso, I guess, because it is still connected to his legs. It's his it's his whole body. Yeah, I, I just, I couldn't picture that. Maybe yeah, I, and then swirled crimson was a nice one, too, just in terms of, like, what is it swirling with? Are you making, like, sand art on the on the floor there? Like, does it look like those the covers of Metallica's Load album, where it's, like, mixed with oil and... <laughs> Good Lord. Well, then we get into another, and this is the, the delightful part of this uh, of this whole experience is the the insults that they throw back and forth, or the challenge yes. challenges and insults. And this is a classic. <laughs> uh, so the the guy's partner, the captain, whatever, Grignar roars in triumph. The slut should have picked his quarry more carefully, which is confusing because he was yes. with a slut. But yes. he's obviously referring to yes, I yeah, I do not think that Jim Tice knows what a slut is. Yes. It's a... <laughs> so the slut is the guy on the ground with a segregated yes. torso, right? And the prostitute is is like you know, but like oh, are you oh, you weren't talking to talking to me? But yeah, it's, it's it couldn't be clearer. His quarry, it's it's what he's talking to. And he roared that in a mocking baritone growl, and then the the captain shows up and says. The fool should have shown more prudence. However, you shall rue your actions while rotting in the pits, stated okay. one of the sprawled soldier's comrades. 
<laughs> he stated that. And this was the one that we've had this twice where someone states something. And so it's a peculiar it's a peculiar way to do it. When people are bellowing, he's doing the war cry of his homeland and all of this right. stuff. Bronzed hides being flashed all over the place. Fuse being uh, uh, swords riveting towards people. And yet this guy calmly walks up and states this. And so I, <laughs> I wanted to see how they handled this in the, oh, audio, the audio book. Book. Yeah. Okay. So uh, I leaked a scene and let's, let's just run it. It's self-explanatory. Grignar, the accordion barbarian, has just killed a soldier of Gorzon. Aha! He should have picked his quarry more carefully. When he's confronted by the slain man's captain. The fool should have shown more prudence. However, you shall rue your actions while rotting in the pits. You, you don't seem very invested in that. Am, am I reading it wrong? Well, no, no, I am. I, I totally am. I'm, I'm angry that his segregated torso swayed and then collapsed in a pool of swirling crimson. Well, you, I mean, you don't, you don't seem angry. Seems like you're... You're just stating it like you would the current temperature. Nothing about the Stygian haunts of hell? Uh, well, if you'd listened, instead of just flexing your thew beneath your bronze tide, uh, I gave you some pretty darn rough language. Because uh, you, will, you will rue your actions while rotting in the pits. I think that's pretty strong medicine, don't you, young man? Yeah, I mean, it is. It's, it's just that I, I, don't, I don't believe you. It's just so bloodless. <laughs> so every threat has to be barked out like that hack, Jerry? Yeah, I'm glad that guy got a foot of steel ripping through his exposed gullet. Everything he said, I, I mean everything, he growled out like, well, I'll just say it, a common savage. Oh, the, damn you, barbarian. I shall see your bowels upon the dust, man pig. Or even while we were just hanging out, he's like, mm, you taste that rural brew? Pretty great, right? Mm. See, it just sounds dumb. I prefer to calmly state that my victims will suffer the torments of a fiery hell. Is that so bad? Uh, no, I no, no, I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, uh, what's your name? My name is Barsheen. Barsheen Gilliama. Barsheen, may I call you Bar? You may. Bar, let's start over and, and let's just state things. You're right. There's no reason to fly off the handle here. What? Yeah. Uh, you go ahead. <clears throat> Thank you. Well, as I was saying, the fool should have shown more prudence. However, you shall rue your actions while rotting in the pits. <clears throat> And I shall, um, I shall lick the blood from your freshly cloven spine, Kerr. See? Yeah, this is good. Before I'd let that happen, I'll see your carcass burning in the cauldron-hot midday sun as the carrion birds pick out your emerald orbs. <clears throat> and I'll be wearing the, um, the bloody strings of your filthy guts as garters for my boots before lest you ever speak another word. Yeah, that's that's good. I like that. So, I mean, artfully yeah, done, artfully it, done. I think it's really, it, you know, it's it's the way people talk in this world, I guess. And so, to Dice is Dice is just a uh, amuse. He's sort of conveying um, the way that people state things in moments of what you would assume would be extreme emotion in this world. They're yeah, uh, well, they're stoic. It's <laughs> I congratulate them though for, for kind of working around the. Uh, the, the pros being sort of clumsy there. So well done.
Right. Yeah. Wow. It's a, you know, that, that book is a, is a good find. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll be playing more Past. of it. Yes. Okay. <laughs> I just wanted to, while we're, while we were on the topic, he, he does, it's not just a one-time thing because later on he calls, um, the, the, the king or the sultan, um, also calls Grigner a, a slut. He says enough of this away with this slut before I lose my control. So that's yeah. where I, I sort of realized, oh, this wasn't just a, a one-time thing. He's really not clear about what this uh, <laughs> what this is supposed to mean. <laughs> well, again, it could be in that kingdom, in Gorzom, and, sure. and, and the area surrounding Gorzom, you know, slut. I mean, it is an insult, sure, I guess. It's an insult, yeah. But Maybe like, it's yeah. kind of, you know, it, it sounds like sort of a teenage, like a teenage girls doing that to one another or something, like, uh-huh. shut up, yeah. slut, you know. <laughs> right. Yeah, you sort of picture uh, Tyson, like, sitting in the back row, like in his uh, weird little trench coat and just sort of like hearing what other people are saying to each other and just taking notes, like a sort of like an alien observer, like being like, ah, the the human girl called her attractive friend a slut, but then they were giggling moments later. I uh, (laughs) I will take note of this and, you know. (laughs) That's going to end up in my prose, I'll tell you that. Uh, So then he gets gets captured. I'm, I'm sort of brushing over that. There's a couple of decent paragraphs, but there's so much better stuff to get to. Mm-hmm. We're gonna unless you have something there, but we're gonna meet. We're, um, we're yeah. gonna meet a new character. That yes, is delightful. Uh, I, I did think there was a funny thing where they they capture him and then they start walking him back to uh, walk to walking him back to the, the kingdom or the castle or whatever. But uh, I, there was a very Kleinian thing I thought where they're they're charting him along and they say after an indiscriminate period of marching through slinking alleyways and dim moonlighted streets, <laughs> indiscriminate to to, I, to whom. I, exactly to to you the reader because I'm a terrible writer I suppose but like um, they and then they, they they immediately after that upon reaching the place palace the group was granted entrance and after several minutes of the explanation led through several winding corridors to a richly draped chamber so time is just passing in indiscriminate periods we're getting several minutes of explanation that are uh, glossed over and not indicated in any way and it just sort of reminded me of the uh, the guy like walking uh, walking Wade Watts down the corridor of the uh, of the IOI headquarters oh, yes. <laughs> for several minutes they yes. <laughs> uh, please note also just a, a side note the Seraglio or Seraglio which is you know the sort of the gilded uh, Muslim enclosures i think they keep harems in them and, and whatnot so he throws mm-hmm. that word out which i admit oh I did, yeah i did not know but then just put it put a little bookmark on that and that'll come up in in just a moment as we meet okay. our, our new character okay uh this guy is pretty great physically um uh at each corner of the chamber at each corn were which i also just had to check because it's a w Uh, A guard stood at attention with upraised pikes supported in their hands, golden chain mail adorning their torsos and (laughs) barred helmets emitting scarlet plumes enshrouding their heads. You got that? Golden adorning their torsos and barred helmets emitting scarlet plumes enshrouding their heads. (laughs) So it's like a big wig is bursting out of the thing and then and then I guess they're continually emitting scarlet plumes. (laughs) So it must they must pile up on the floor and have to be uh, taken away at a later time. Plume fountain. Wow. Yeah, constant emitting. There's no other way to interpret that. Yes. And then we have uh, Murf Murfrick. It's mm. just an insult by the surly beard of Murfik. Murfik, yeah. Grigner kneels to no man. I liked that. I thought that was a good. Uh, it was a very good, uh, you know, quote. Um, it was. It was. It was very also similar to sort of a Ron Burgundy type of thing. But, exactly. 
And it's like, you know, hey, there's a there's a I'm sure there's a hundred thousand word backstory of Murfrick that if the man had had we all not made fun of him back in the 70s, maybe he would have put pen to paper and uh, and gotten that down. And then my favorite thing, and I'm going to state this, uh, I think it could be a new department. Uh, maybe nope. I can come up with a theme for it. I know that we have a lot of talented listeners out there who are, are good in the visual arts. I'm, <laughs> I'm almost certain of that. And so this is my animation challenge. Wow. Let's throw that out there. Um, animation or, you know, a, a drawing of some sort. But I think sure, an animation challenge would be good. Describe, put this down in uh, visual form. The paunchy noble's sagging round face flushed suddenly pale, then <laughs> hastily lit up to a lustrous cherry red radiance. <laughs> His lips trembled with malicious rage while emitting a muffled sibilant gibberish. His sagging flabs rolled like a tub of upset jelly, then compressed as he sucked in his gut in an attempt to conceal his softness. So, if a you lot can, going on. If you can nail a face flushing pale, then pastily lighting up to a lustrous cherry red radiance, you are a better artist than I, and you yeah. almost certainly are. Oh man, yeah, that's a good one. That and then this is like before you know Jabba the Hutt existed. So there's that's sort of what I took away from that. This this revolting guy, but um, um, you know, it's uh the guy's got an imagination. I guess we can say that. <laughs> we had another good line after the surly beard of Mifric. Uh, I'll just I'm going to read it again as it's written. I shall never understand the ways of your if tw your twisted civilization. I simply defend my honor and am condemned to life confinement by a pig who sits on his royal ass wooing whores and knows nothing of the affairs of the land he imagines to rule. Lectures, Grigner? <laughs> that doesn't even, that's not even supposed to end in a, in a question mark. It just, <laughs> he threw one in at the end of that one. Oh, those are good. I don't even think I picked up on his misplaced uh, <laughs> question marks. There. I, we'll have to see if there's any more of them coming up. Um, but yeah, so the, uh, the, the revolting, flabby, the gut sucking in soft boy uh, takes uh, describes that he's going to uh, cast him into the uh, vault of misery, um, which is very subtle. <laughs> um, but then his his um, his advisor uh, Ag Agafin. Uh, yeah, I couldn't get my head around that. Yeah, his advisor uh, they, has they, a different plan. It, they, I don't think they named the king, but they named Agafin, who gets killed three paragraphs later. But his uh, he says, "Eminence, the." The punishment you have decreed will cause much misery to this scum. And you imagine the guy being like, well, yeah, I mean, it's the vault <laughs> of misery. That's yeah, uh, we're, we're kind of good why, at that. Yeah. That's why we had it installed. Um, yeah. But but he uh, he he um, convinces him to sort of put him in a like a slave labor camp because he knows that the one thing that um, will really uh, make um, Grigner miserable um other than being in the vault of misery is to confine him unable to wander and uh, uh seduce wenches and 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 adventure all over the planet he's doing the the early an early version of the uh the death penalty argument where it's like no i'd rather i think it'd be worse for him to stay alive and rot in prison right, right. <laughs> i'm sure well why don't you ask them if you think it's worse ask them and give them the worst punishment right yes <laughs> but uh so he uh Oh, there is another one. I'm sorry. It's uh, at the wrong point. But uh, he uh, he turns the noble torrents towards the prisoner with a noticeable shimmer reflecting in his frog like eyes and his lips contorting to a greasy grin. Yeah, so I that's threw, another I threw one that onto my animation challenge. For you, oh, nice. If you that's can do a good that. one. 
Yeah, please. Uh, the frog-like and the greasy grin should be really uh, just uh, reflecting the uh, the grease dripping off of his lips, I think, would be a very nice one. Well, just a couple questions, just some sweep up here in this chapter. I honestly don't know what this means. I can't even figure out what. He says, crushing prudence to the sward. <laughs> uh, so, so the same sward as earlier? Well, I don't know. I, I just don't know what it means. So if anyone has any idea what he was getting to with crushing prudence to the sward. And then finally, the, the final sentence of the chapter, which maybe you were leading towards. Yeah, yeah, well, I am. Okay, give it, give it to me. Well, I mean, why don't you give it your read? I think that I've, I've done the, the question mark one, so I'd like to hear your interpretation of it as written. All right, so... <laughs> he's taking him off to for his lifetime imprisonment in whatever, instead of taking him to the chamber of horrors, whatever mm -hmm. they called it. And uh, and then the the frog guy with the greasy grin and the jelly and the sucking it in and turning red, but also pale <laughs> at the same time says, "Before me, Sarah. Before me, as always." Ha 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 ha! Nobly cackled. <laughs> What does that mean? <laughs> I mean, I, we said he didn't name the guy, so maybe his name is Nobly. Um, that's, that's the only way it makes sense. I guess, except it is one word again, and maybe that's a fantasy oh, term, Nobly Cackled. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but the, yeah, the, uh, the three haws, uh, one, the, a comma after the first one, then two uh, without a comma, then a comma, and then a ha with four A's, ellipses. And they're all uh, end capitalized. Quote, <laughs> Yes. <laughs> so he's hitting the, it's like, ha, 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 nobly cackled. <laughs> yes. So that was, uh, yeah, that, that, that was a, a wonderful way to end that chapter. Um, a good character. And there's a great picture of him on the, uh, on the E thing. He's, he's, um, he's I, I think he's smoking he's got a like blunt. Five chance. Yeah. And he's got like the, the way that a, a high schooler would draw himself smoking a blunt, like in his thing, <laughs> which is never addressed. Like I saw the picture and I went back to see and they, uh, they do not have him smoking any sort of uh, doobage in the in the text. And he uh, he did what when I draw a figure and you draw the face is nice and grotesque and everything. Yeah. And then he gave up on the arms. The arms just trail off. <laughs> There's no hands on them. Yeah. Or anything. Yeah, they're like just out of frame there. <laughs> yeah. It's a treat that we have these illustrations. Another window into the madness. So chapter two is a big one. And yeah. uh, and now we sort of. We enter a, a little bit of a contemplative period with, uh, mm -hmm. with chapter three. Uh, do we want to break and do uh, do fanfic now? Let's, sure. let's, let's do fanfic. All right. And now I bet they bitching because my flow switching, trying to tell me what to write. I bought some fan fiction. Can't they just be happy? I no longer have to face eviction that I'm living on my life. I'm living on my inner vision right now. Oh, it's good to be back, isn't it? With fan oh, fiction. Yeah. A, you know, that guy who does that fan fiction song is named Logic, and he. Uh, just released an album that he he acted like it was a big deal to get every member of the Wu Tang Clan on a uh, on a track again, which you know it's not like they're they're not obscure out. people who have like you know faded away and are working you know bars in Vegas or off the strip type of thing. But right. anyway, <laughs> I listened to that last week, so I was I, it makes me knowing the only thing I know about him being uh, that song. It's always interesting to be like, oh, he's a uh, extremely popular artist who's uh, I did not know <laughs> making, that making relevant you know Grammy nominated music. Yep. So there you go. Well yeah. done, Logic. Yeah, good for him. Uh, yeah, so we have uh, fanfic. We've got a lot of options now, and uh, a lot of them were made possible by our uh, Patreon subscribers. We uh, introduced that Patreon a couple episodes ago, and we've been blown away by the amount of support we've gotten already. It's really, uh, really impressive and really, really generous of people. Hopefully, will allow us to do some really fun stuff. 
Yeah, um, I'm, and, I'm very excited about that. Thanks to everyone. Yeah, and they uh, people who who got this early were able to send in some uh, some fanfic for us. Uh, I also found one fanfic that uh, here a few of the people that 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 supported the Patreon. Uh, let's read some names. Uh, the Lane family, thank you, Lane family. Lucas Newmeyer, Carrie Ann Vardal, and uh, someone who goes by the name of Scorpion Moon. Just uh, hey, Scorpion so, Moon. <laughs> there you go. Uh, but uh, yeah, so the other people have written in the fan fictions. We'll we'll identify those. Thank you for doing them at all. And uh, we will let you try to guess, Mike, which ones are real and which ones are fan fiction. So oh, let me just call what, them up. What if uh, what if today I just nail it? What if I just become supernaturally good at this? <laughs> I don't, I don't anticipate it, but uh, it could happen. <laughs> it's but it's very possible. Um, let's see if you can do this. I'm just going to go in order. Okay. Here we go. Uh, let me tell you how many we have. I think we have a lot. Oh, rest assured, I have not read ahead in this book. Uh, yeah. Because I'm actually looking forward to what <laughs> happened next after chapter four, which has a very thrilling conclusion. <laughs> All right. So here's the first one. As the crimson gore escaping from his gaping wound had stained the ground about Gringer's leather sandaled feet, Chagrin feebly gurgled his last with these cryptic words. Trust not in thy brawn, but rather in thy brain to vanquish the mighty beast. His voice trailing off as the gleam of sentience flickered briefly and then departed forever from the exiled shaman's deep brown eyes. <laughs> well, <laughs> all right. I'm going to I'm tentatively mark that as fanfic, but I'll, uh, I'll reserve judgment. All right. Like the passion of virile men trapped in the snow, where the frigid fingers of desperation like a siren draw them to the feverish core of another man's undulating limbs, holding them close, close a sanctuary from despair. The caress of their quivering man slabs sliding together, <laughs> their breathing like a gasping forge, corralling the critical warmth that only fresh can, flesh can produce. Gringer had never been jealous of those tales, considering them to be mere comedies, a lesson to why the northern commonwealth is to be circumvent and ridiculed. But now, possessing the man hard against his own fibrous torso, he sensed that he should have been demanded more knowledge and acquiesced to view the etchings back in the songsmith's lodgings. Wow, the Northern Commonwealth? <laughs> That's a new... World building, baby. <laughs> oh, I, well, I'm going to mark that as fanfic, but I'm, I withhold judgment. Carry on. Riding high over the shoulder of the gnarled mountaintop came Flaneer, the haggard but noble horse of Grigner. With his new scimitar held high, the barbarian slew the army of thirty waiting guards with speed not to be seen in this world or the next. But bloody body on hideous body, this band fell with viscera and organs curdling into foetid piles of glistening rot. <laughs> All right, I think that's that's number three, right? Yes, yes. Okay, carry on. Yeah, we got three more. Crouched over the girl was a tall, pot-bellied priest, his face dominated by a disgusting, open-mouthed grimace of sadistic glee. Suspended from the acolyte's clenched right hand was a carven, oval-faced mallet, which he waved menacingly over the girl's shadowed face, an incoherent gibberish flowing from his grinning, thick-lipped mouth. In the face of the amorphous, broad-breeded female, stretched out alluringly before his gaping eyes, the universal whim of nature filling a plea, filing a plea of despair inside of his hot white soul, Grigner acted in the only manner he could perceive. Giving vent to a hoarse, throat-rending battle cry, Grigner plunged into the midst of the startled shaman, torch simmering in his left hand and axe twirling in his right hand. Okay, all right. Boy, it is getting harder as they start to build. <laughs> yes. Murphic! 
I thought I had killed the last of those dogs, muttered Grigner in a half-apathetic state. Nay, Grigner, you doubtless grew careless while giving vent to your lusts. But let us not tarry any long, lest we overtax the fates. The paths leading to freedom will soon be barred. The wretch's cries must certainly have attracted unwanted attention, the wench mused. <laughs> oh, they're musing now. Okay. Yes. All right. And then finally, Bring finally, it home. Grigner knew the time to act was now while he still had the opportunity in his grips. He crouched on his hunches and launched his mighty countenance upon his foe, curling his lustful steel through the wretched shaman's heaving chest. Oh, man, I was so certain, and now I'm completely uncertain. Oh, so how? Uh, so they could all be fanfic? They could all be, well, sure, they could all be. Uh, there, there's at least one real one in there. I think, I think that number three and number six are real. There, I'm just going to get it out there. Oh, man, completely wrong. Oh, no. The real ones are, are four and five. The uh, tall, pot-bellied priest and the broad-breeded female. Um, oh. The oval, carven, oval-faced mallet. That would have been impressive if someone had picked up on that so quickly. Uh, and then the thick-lipped mouth. That was all real. And then uh, the next real one was the one that starts with Mirific, who I guess does have a have a role in this uh, by Mirific's surly beard. Uh, and then the the wench musing. That's Those are both real. Oh, the fantastic. Other, wow. The, the other ones, uh, the first one was by Tom H. Uh, the third one was by Mark B., the last one was Nick D. And the second one, the uh, the uh, the man slabs in the Northern Commonwealths. Yes. That was one that already existed. And oh. that, that mic is called Always Be Clear. And it is Grigner Ebenezer Scrooge slash Fick. What? It is a mashup of Christmas Carol and uh, Eye of Argon written by Violet Flowers. And uh, I, I didn't go too far, but I assume that the... Uh, Quivering man slab can only belong to the uh, to the miser himself. Uh, but it's a, it's cl it's clearly a joke, though. Uh, well, yeah, but like it was, <laughs> it was you know, it, it was pretty much in the style. Yeah. I, wow. I, I assume, well, I mean, clearly a joke. You are making a big. <laughs> I, well, big that's what I don't. <laughs> I'm hoping it was a joke. Anyway, that. <laughs> Was uh, real or fanfic? I just like to play this theme because now that I know that logic. Wow! Well done, everyone. Once again. Uh, we uh, yeah, thanks to everyone on Patreon and check that out if you want to. You don't have to, but if you want to get the episodes a little early or just support us in any way, you can uh, go to Patreon.com/slash 372 pages. Thank you again. That's so that fun. time, not even coin flip. Couldn't even. Just pick one out of a hat. Couldn't get anything. Yeah. I, there was yeah. a typo in uh, one of them that threw me yeah. off. You know, that was nice. That was a nice touch. Yeah. <laughs> All right. But so we're going out of chapter three. Chapter three. Yeah. And this uh, this starts with him uh, waking up in his uh, in his cell. I guess in the not. I guess it's the, he is in the the vault of misery now. Yeah, he's in the vault of misery, and <laughs> the chapter three. I think this is the opening. Yeah, this is the opening sentence of chapter three, which I could not puzzle out. Consciousness returned to Grignar in stigmatic pools, mm -hmm. as his mind gradually cleared of the cobwebs cluttering its inner recesses. I kind of get what he's getting there, but yet the Stygian cloud <laughs> of charcoal ebony remained, an incompatible shield of blackness enhanced by the bleak absence of sound. What's happening yep. here? Uh, well, I could, I could, I could write that sentence for you. Uh, Grigner woke up. Yeah. <laughs> there What's we go. a stigmatic uh, pool? 
That I, I mean, the fact that he uses what I assume is the same like root word twice within the span of like ten words, and that word is Stygian or stigmatic. Uh, doesn't that mean just like dark, like black? No, no stigmatic is uh, the stigmata. So is that just a, a typo mixed with a misuse of a word? <laughs> stigmatic would mean he is exhibiting signs of the stigmata, the <laughs> the, uh, the holes of the nails. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I don't. So I assume he just meant. Yeah, he he. I know what he did. Yep, you're right. He just took Stygian. Mm. He took Stige, and then he made up his own word with matic. Yes. And then he well, didn't know that it existed already. <laughs> You'll be happy to know that if you Google uh, stigmatic as is written there, the very first result is uh, someone's entry on the World of Warcraft leaderboards. <laughs> okay. so that's, uh, that's play into character to type right there. That's fun. Uh, but yeah, that was a that was a, a great way to describe him, sort of like regaining consciousness in the uh, in the vault of misery. And then he, uh, I mean, he is awake. He thinks, but he dickered with the notion <laughs> that he was dead. Have you that ever dickered awesome. with any notion? Yeah, dickering is sort of like uh, going into the county store and like trying to trying to bargain like how much your your, your corn feed, uh, your your chicken feed is going to be. Um, right. Look, I'm I'm buying six bags from you, Ev. I was hoping you'd, uh, you know, knock off a little, sharpen the pencil a bit, and give me a you, deal on it. You know, Amos, I'd cut you a deal, but the missus says that uh, we can't be cutting no deals with farmers who don't pay back the uh, the the dickering. How about she brings you some eggs tomorrow? I know your wife would like some of that, huh? Well, Judith would appreciate that, Amos. We'll uh, we'll see you for dinner at uh, Sunday morning. All right, thank you much. I guess I'm not dead now that we've dickered with that notion. <laughs> wow yeah but he dickers with the notion that he was dead and had descended or descended or sunk so that's i guess what he's dickering whether he's descended or sunk however it may be to the shadowed <laughs> land beyond the aperture of the grave but rejected the hypothesis when his memory sifted back within his grips one sentence <laughs> staggering wow. staggering yeah. It is. It's like uh, it would be a fun, you know, the uh, the the gif everyone always uses when they're trying to describe some crazy theory is um, Charlie from It's Always Sunny with one of those yarn boards, like looking crazy, right. and that would be that would be the effort of diagramming that sentence. Yeah. Uh, but then a uh, a really a poignant description of the lack of sunshine is next. Oh, yep, yep. We, do, we pretty uh, much pulled the exact things, the exact well, same you, quote. You go ahead with that. I don't have it written down right here. The finite misery of an inactive life of confined torture, forever concealed from the life-bearing shafts of the beloved rising sun. <laughs> the or are you talking about that orb that had been before been taken for granted, yet now uh, yeah, I guess, cherished I guess above so. all else? <laughs> yeah, he really cherished those life-bearing shafts. Just sort of woke up every morning and like didn't even really pay attention to them, bearing life everywhere. But then his thoughts quickly turn. Right now, he's, he's just agony over never seeing the, the sun again, that orb that he'd taken for granted. But uh, also the snow-capped summits of the land of his birth, and never again to witness the thrill of plundering unexplored lands beyond the crest of a bleeding horizon. <laughs> but then, so the, the, the snow-clapped uh, uh, mountains, they might be, uh, that might be the northern commonwealth. <laughs> That's probably where he's talking about. <laughs> but perhaps worst of all, as he realizes what his fate is, he'll never again encompass the lustful excitement of caressing the naked curves of the body of a trim, yound wench. 
Yes. Yeah. I was like, oh, you're getting a little excited there, Tice. Like as he's typing that one, he's unable to hit the right the right uh, words as he finishes the end of the sentence. Well, he's imagining those saggy nipples. Yes. I thought I liked that the uh, I liked that the sort of uh, manager of the of the hostel uh, called ahead the Yound Wouch in that uh, audiobook clip, even though they hadn't got it to that point in the uh in the book he he was i mean that so that must well, be yeah. a term that they're using in the hostel <laughs> yeah you know you're, they're leaping around and yeah they're pulling from other sources and things like that so sure oh boy. uh yeah that's um it was a it was a short chapter um lot still a lot in it um but it's short because we 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 are quickly then thrust into chapter 3.5 yeah <laughs> which is i mean you know <laughs> Let's give him credit for a well, I, I think what is probably an unprecedented literary innovation. I can't imagine there is anyone else who has done it. Yeah, unless this was a um, uh, a patch that he gave after the fact. Maybe they slipped this in. He's like, oh wait, 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 before you go to press at the Ozark uh, right. Sci-Fi <laughs> Association. Yeah, I was like, well, there, we've like... already numbered the chapters. Ah, all right, call it three point five and just stick it in there, would you? He's like, you know, giving the guy at the letterpress the the instructions, the old guy. Um, <laughs> I think there might actually be an explanation for this if you read like the whole um, build up to this, um, to why these are inserted into. I guess I probably should have looked into that, but and to, I, I prefer to think it's just a uh, just a, another another window into the madness. I think it's just yeah, it's the uh, equivalent of putting an umlaut over your band name for no reason. It's just right, a, yes. just a fun thing to do. There's a yeah, there's a there's a dark tower. There's seven books in that, and then Stephen King wrote one after the fact that people sort of refer to as uh, as four point five. So that's um, yeah, maybe it's a tribute. Well, this chapter, uh, <laughs> boy, it stands on its own. This one, yeah. when he gets into descriptions. Uh, you know, again, the, the footprints shining dully, yes. uh, on, on, even though they're underneath the sand and there's swords near, but that this gets into a realm. I cannot picture what's going on yeah. here. Can it you? is, it is just, you know, it's more is so much less in this situation. You know, this is, he was, I, I just picture him sweating drops of blood as he's trying to write this. He's trying to describe, I assume, just an altar with a, with like gargoyles, a place where you you sacrifice someone and the blood drips down into a pail and yeah, you drink it, right? Yeah, Temple Doom essentially is what I'm getting at. Like, yeah, that sort of um, that sort of thing. But man, it's just the, <laughs> the word the words just come at you, and you're just trying to take each one. Is it uh, a tightly rung ecliptical circle or torches cast their wavering shafts prancing morbidly over <laughs> the smooth surface? of a rectangular ridged altar where's the yeah. rectangle where's the ridges the torches are oh, in ellipses around ellipses around the morbidly uh, i don't know i can't anyway yeah, right. i'm lost already that's the first sentence the important thing is is that in this realm lights are always shafts and that's very nice to <laughs> yes so yeah but, it's it's just describing the altar and there's uh but there's priests standing around Right? Yeah, they're standing around, but they're underneath the grotesque gargoyles who are gracing the oblique rim, protuberating the length of the grim orifice of death. <laughs> yes. So I've, st I've, I've started using, I've, I've read this probably 72 hours ago, I've started using, use the word protuberating at least uh, five times, much to Lauren's dismay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one of my favorite things was he, he occasionally he'll stop his, you know, this purple prose just comes out in a torrent and you're just trying to wrestle with it all, but... In the middle of it, he gets into uh, just some tidy ergonomics. He says, uh -huh. 
dangling at the rim of the golden mallet, the handle of which was engraved with images of twisted faces and groved at its far end with slots designed for a snug hand grip. <laughs> so, in case you're wondering, is this going to be uncomfortable to hold? I mean, am I even yes. going to be able to get a grip on it, or is it going to sort of rock around in my hand? That's incredible. Know. It's got groved, twisted faces at its far end. But there are slots in the twisted faces for a snug hand grip. You imagine the uh, the some of the priests just like looking at the guy, being like, "Oh, you got the 2018 model of that thing." Like, "Oh, yeah." I, I can't afford one now. The wife would kill me if I brought it home. But like, yeah, that got great reviews in uh, Outside Magazine. That's uh, yeah. You don't see it shaking around in my hand, do you, boys? Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, you don't have to rub it in. Uh, you know, just because I'm I've got blisters and everything from my <laughs> from the from the faces, the twisted faces, and on my groved end. Yeah, he's the guy's, you know, sawing off the, the head of the heathens to let the blood into the trough. And he just keeps looking over at the other guys to sort of like <laughs> indicate how seamless it is as he's sawing. You're a dick, Ron. <laughs> um, yeah. And then uh, these priests are there's, I guess, a, 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 a green, an, an idol that they're sort of is overseeing this whole thing, which, again, reminded me of, you know, the Indiana Jones thing is, is what I had uh was hard to shake from my mind. Yeah, they're encircling the marble altar, a congregation of leering shaman. Now we should point <laughs> out that he thinks he's using, I assume that he's using the plural oh, yes. of shaman, shaman. <laughs> but that it's not woman or man, it's shaman. So that's not real? That's not a thing? No. That's not okay, a thing. <laughs> well, that's awesome. And uh, on their heads are shaved, they are wrinkled, so imagine this. An orange paint was smeared in generous globules. <laughs> so there's like a little... It's like I 3D. Guess it's, yeah, I guess it's like half-dried globs of orange paint smeared over their wrinkled, shaven scalps, while golden rings projected from the lobes of their pink ears. <laughs> so so oh, they're man. standing around leering, uh, I assume holding the mugs uh, with various degrees of success. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's yeah, being observed all by the uh, by the the idol who's has I didn't take down the description just because it was it was so much. This whole thing is pretty much description of these two people in the revolting terms. But uh, in front of the idol, uh, there's a slender yet again, pale faced female naked for but a golden jeweled harness and shrouding her huge outcropping breasts. <laughs> He just he, he suddenly went all what is that guy Frank Frazetta or whatever? Yeah, right. Yeah, just. He's, he's describing the grotesque scene, but she has huge huge cans too, though. Right, exactly. Yeah, there's nothing in there that should make you like aroused or excited at all. But then yeah, it's got a uh, Rob Lee Field Mar Marvel Comics in the '90s uh, cans on her. But she's uh, she's also supporting long silver laces which extended to her thigh stood below the pearl-white field with noticeable shivers traveling up and down the length of her exquisitely molded body. <laughs> but she's not a wench, though, so that, that takes no. me out of the whole thing. It's, uh, it's like, we need some consistency here. And she's certainly not a slut, because they're all male. Right, so. yes. <laughs> uh, but, just jumping back one, pair, or one sentence, just so I don't lose it. Um, dramatic beneath the nostrils. This is describing the, uh, the idol thing. Wow. Dramatic beneath the nostrils. Uh, was a twisted, shaggy-lipped mouth, giving the impression of a slavering, sadistic grimace. <laughs> so, a shaggy mouth, 
It was giving the impression of a, a slobbering, sadistic grimace. It was not, but somehow... So I assume their art was just not done well enough where it was giving that impression, but it was supposed to be smiling or something. But, <laughs> well, but that was all that. happening dramatic beneath the nostrils. <laughs> I'm imagining a slobbering, sadistic, the grimace, who's got like Mayor McCheese <laughs> tied up to a chair and he's like got a got a all or something that he's going to be like pounding a hole into his hand as he slobbers at this uh, at his uh, captive. You want to remake Saw with him, don't you? I can tell. <laughs> right. uh, but that's the uh, inside that statue is the is. Eye of Argon. Mm-hmm. We get that's our first. Uh, for. We get our first ellipses, I believe. Of the uh, uh, the uh, the ha 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 ended with an ellipsis. Oh, it did. Okay, our second ellipsis. Okay, what was it? No, well, this is the Eye of Argon is is uh, preceded by ellipses. Ah, yes. So, so yeah, maybe your theory about him uh, slipping this in after the fact. I hope that this, you know, it, it would delight me to no end if this is the only mention of the Eye of Argon, yes. and uh, it was just something that he clearly slipped in when he realized that the, the uh, as we've seen many times with the movies we do, where the name has absolutely nothing to do with the content of the movie. Right. Uh, well, we're on to, unless you have anything else, we're on to chapter nope. four. So that was Let's a, do it. that was kind of like, I, I assume he's doing the the novel pacing that, you know, like a Tom Clancy or something where you do, for, you go to the action scene and then, you do the sort of hard smash short paragraph to mm-hmm. inside a boardroom 2,000 miles away. Three right. men talked. You know, that's sort of he's setting that scene. But now we're back to action. And and man, chapter four. I don't know. You said <laughs> chapter two. I'm kind of a chapter four fan. Wow. All right. Yeah, there's some there's some really good stuff in chapter four. They won. I mean, the, 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 the most laugh out loud moment I had is in chapter four. But uh, it starts with him. Um, He's he's been imprisoned in the Vault of Misery. And like, so the Vault of Misery is doing a great job. I'm not sure why they really thought that. I guess the Vault of Misery has probably a maximum capacity where like they can't just keep him in there forever. Wait, you know, is he in the Vault of Misery now? Uh, I guess I just inferred that. Oh, but he told him, I, I think he they told, were going to kill him in the Vault of Misery, but now they're just, they're leaving him in the Vault of Is uh, that the option? Well, they're... Well, I mean, the guards, it ends with him, like, freeing himself, I think, as they were coming to take him to, like, the work camp or something. I thought they were going to imprison him in, like, hard labor. Oh, okay. All right. So yeah, I yeah, thought yeah, that yeah. He, was, okay. they were, he was, like, just biding his time in the Vault of Misery, which seems to do a really good job because as it's described um, sort of early on, it uh, he has he, – he looses all conception of time. Uh, it seemed as if years had passed if time were being measured by terms of misery and mental anguish. He's imp- He can't tell if he's been imprisoned for 10 minutes or 10 years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but then so after all of that, uh, that, that vivid description and how awful that must sound, the result is he feels a disheartened emotion. That's his that's <laughs> the uh, 10 years of agony. And he's, he feels a little disheartened, which is like. I thought, like, you know, this year uh, when the Nats lost on opening day, I was a little disheartened. You know, yep. you sort of, like, you build it up all off season, and then they sort of come out and just, like, uh, you know, shit the bed on opening day. And you're like, oh, well, I guess we'll get them tomorrow. But that's it's just a bit yeah. of a letdown. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's a marathon, not a sprint. Yeah, you know. Right. Uh, but you, know, you understand why he felt only disheartened. Because after all the time trying to figure out he did not know i mean it was misery and mental anguish like you say that seemed to be beyond the grasp to even comprehend yet he estimated that his stay had only been a few days 
So, <laughs> so that's why suddenly like, oh, wait a minute. Why am I, why am I worrying about this? It's only been a couple days. So, right, exactly. It's sort of like when you wake up from a, a bad dream and are panicked briefly before you realize, oh, wait, like I'm not no, I'm on fine. trial. Like, yeah, yeah I, didn't, I, did, uh, I didn't kill anybody. I haven't been in college in 20 years. So why am I worried about taking a test? Uh, but then uh, he delves into physiology. And I find this, <laughs> I found this very funny. I don't know if this was one of your laugh out loud, right. but. The need for nourishment and slumber are directly proportional to the functions the body has performed, meaning <laughs> that when free and active, Grignar may become hungry every six hours and witness, witness the desire for sleep every 15 hours. Whereas in his present condition, he may encounter the need for food every 10 hours and the want for rest every 20 hours. Right. <laughs> Suddenly he just had to stop and explain Grig right. Grignar's, you know, his sleeping and eating habits. I found that right. hilarious. It gives credence to the uh, alien observer sort of like uh, pretending that they're a person and observing the people and taking notes about their, uh, their behaviors. Yes. Uh, but then... Uh, Golden Corral's new slogan? Oh, man, yeah. I thought, you know, the exact same thought entered my head. It is fantastic. Why don't you read it? It's so good. Okay. Uh, the food, if you can honor the moldering lumps of fetid mush to that extent, <laughs> was borne to him by two guards who opened a portal at the top of his enclosure and shoved it to him in wooden bowls, retrieving the food and water bowels, you know, just a yes. delightful typo, from his previous meal at the same time. Uh since deprived of all other means of nourishment, Grigner was impelled to eat the tainted slop <laughs> in order to ward off the pangs of starvation. So pains and pangs. I guess he just yeah, he he wasn't sure it. which one, so he, uh, he, he went for both. As he stuffed it into his mouth with his filthy fingers and struggled to force it down his throat, he imagined it was that which had been spurned by the hounds stationed at various segments of the palace. Oh, I... Can we get Norm McDonald to do a reading just of that paragraph? <laughs> I was reminded of Billy West doing his Kurt uh, oh, yes. uh, Kirk Douglas impression. Which, I can't can... eat this slop. <laughs> <laughs> and I, so I would just, I was like, oh man, if there was a, uh, I would love to read Jim Dice's uh, Yelp reviews, just like we we joked about Golden Corral. It would be a, that would be a treat. Yeah, it has the turns uh, like when Norm got the news from his publisher that people weren't liking his book and would come up with terms like that. <laughs> oh, so they're, they're liking the book then. They're calling it moldering lumps of fetid mush. <laughs> moldering. I'm not, I'm not familiar with that means. It could be positive. You know, it could cancel out the fetidness. I can see where you'd think that. But no, people force it into their mouths with their filthy fingers. <laughs> If if Grigner did have a uh, have like a guy who had been in there like a lifer in the vault of misery that like every single day was sort of making like working hard or hardly working cracks to him when they deliver the food being like, well you know the, the at least the mush is fetid today sometimes it's rotten and Grigner's like yes again every single day like, <laughs> I can see why they call it the vault of misery and not the vault of uh, Michelin stars huh. <laughs> Oh, man, it's so good. But then he um, he starts to devise a, a scheme, or he tries to. And this leads to the most confusing sentence in the book for me, because I, I cannot figure out what he means in any way. And so I, I enlist the help of you and our listeners. Uh, numerous schemes were introduced and alternately discarded in turn as they sucred to unravel to him no means of escape which stood the slightest chance of success. Secret to unravel to him. 
I don't. I, I assume he doesn't know what the word sukered mean. So he, I don't know what it means. It, it means just give comfort to. Sukered. Okay. Uh, sukered to unravel to him no <laughs> means of escape. If anyone can... I'm just looking for what did he mean? What was what, what do you think he was trying to do? I, it's nonsensical as is, but I couldn't even get to that. So, right, because he's coming up with schemes, but then the schemes are failing to sucre to unravel to him. I don't know how do you sucre to unravel. I don't know. It sounds like yeah, it sounds yet again like folksy, uh, folksy country speak. Yeah, I don't know what he was getting at, but um, so he he the description of going in and out of trying to find uh, schemes to escape. Is, is pretty funny. His anguish is mounting at one uh, <laughs> at one point uh, as his means of occupation were rapidly exhausted. And then suddenly with no tithe, he was routed from his contemplations. Did you understand that one either? With no tithe? T-I-V-E. Is that oh. a, I didn't look that word up. I assume typo? Uh, suddenly with, with without no tithe. No t- first oh. result for... T- Tive is a company that provides real-time supply chain visibility. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know what? I think I just figured it out. Suddenly, without notice. Oh, wow. There's a space between no and then the word tive. Uh, okay, there we go. Well, I prefer that he's uh, he's he's been denied his proper uh, supply chain uh, yes. SAP uh, exposure. Uh, and then the battle. The, the, uh, oh, man. This is good. Oh, man. Oh, yeah. So it starts off, he's like, he's been examining the, the, the contents of his cell, like the, the, he's sort of like doing an Andy Dufresne where he's, he's, he's testing every single square thing. He's memorized the steps back and forth. So he, he'll be ready to, to escape when he's uh, presented with the opportunity. But then he, he hears something, um, he hears a sound. And this I thought was fantastic. The sound seemed to be caused by something trying to scrape, scrape away at the granite blocks the floor of the enclosure consisted of the sandy scratching of something like an animal's claws. And that something like turns out to be an animal's claws. Um, <laughs> it's, it's the world's worst metaphor. Uh, yes, he is attacked by a gargantuan brown-hided rat. How gargantuan are you picturing this beast? I mean, you know, it, it gets in, in some good licks, but like, I don't know, like a wiener dog. Like I wasn't, I mean, <laughs> how does it emerge from the wall? I guess I didn't really pick up on that. It's sort of just like it bursts out of a cement block. I guess. So that must mean that it, there is a, a way to get out. But I was picturing it much bigger because he later describes it as a Hulk. But right. But here's a great sentence. Grignar grappled with the lashing flexor muscles of the repugnant body of a gargantuan brown-hided rat, striving to hold its razor teeth from its juicy juggler (laughs) as its beady gray organs of sight gazed into the flaring emeralds of its prey. (laughs) Beady gray organs of sight was my takeaway from that there. I was hoping for an ovals, but that was a a very nice follow-up. If you weren't going to get ovals. Somehow makes him sound revolting and like, I don't know, vaguely sexual. Imagine, you know, trying to describe, uh, you know, what's, uh, I'm setting you up with this girl. What, what's she look like? Well, you know, <laughs> she's got you know, stringy hair. She's uh, slender, uh, pale, <laughs> pale uh, lips. They're red, of course. And uh, she has beady gray organs of sight. <laughs> Sounds like an alluring complexion to me. <laughs> yes. Uh, oh, yeah, uh, so it attacks him. Uh, it does, you know, there's some action. It, it bites him. It pulls out flesh and stuff. But 
he's our hero, so he's going to emerge victorious. And this was my favorite part of the first four chapters. With a loud crack, the rodent's head parted from its squirming torso, <laughs> sending out a sprinkling shower of crimson gore and trailing a slimy string of disjointed vertebrae, snapped trachea, <laughs> esophagus, and jugular, disjointed hyoid bone, morose purpled stretch hide, and blood-seared muscles. <laughs> yes. Which you just thought of and throw up your hands and like, you know, just like, you got it, man. Like, uh, bravo. This is... <laughs> did, I, did I leave anything out? <laughs> did I cover all of what could be happening between its severed head and its uh and its segregated torso yes <laughs> that's a, a a gag where he just sort of looks at you and you're like and if you and then he keeps reading the uh things yeah. that are coming out of it it's like he's pulling out a, a magician's handkerchief where it just keeps coming out of his pocket oh yeah very uh like you know very uh you know the axe copier of the kid uh a kid who just sort of like played mortal Kombat then is writing his own mortal Kombat story like just <laughs> listing over and over and no awareness of physics or anything like that i noted one thing during the battle as he's fighting with it he cursed beneath his breath which i thought was kind of him to you know not disturb the other pr prisoners <laughs> he's usually letting out the hoarsely piercing battle cry of his wilderness bred race but in this, <laughs> like i don't want to wake anybody up here i just <laughs> oh man uh but yeah so he he kills the rats and then uh then it hits him that minutes may have passed in silent thought or days you know or 10 years as he stated earlier it's it's impossible to tell here in the vault of misery um but it, it, we get it the, the time is it's hard to tell how much time is passing yeah and he um but it's i i just noted in my notes here oh time for a fresh start he says it he it's time to revamp his glum meditations. <laughs> so he's gonna he's gonna go at it from a different. I mean, I need to. I'm, it's, they're gonna be glum, but I think I've got a different angle on it. I'm I'm, I'm pretty excited about this. <laughs> but is that when he comes up with a plan? I mean, we 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 understand that the the dead rat is gonna play some sort of role in this plan. That's when he comes up with the plan, and it's described like this. Yet he was still alive. His bulging sinews at their peak of marvel. His struggling <laughs> mind floating in a myral of impressed excellence of thought <laughs> plot after plot sifted through his mind in energetic contemplations <laughs> so he really did revamp those are the best glum meditations i've ever heard yeah energetic contemplation is like so he's like clapping his hands and sort of pacing around like uh, steve balmer or something well his sinews are bulging out he needs to get that looked at that's a problem yeah, that's, that's not like steve balmer at all but he, i'm sure he's glistening in the same manner <laughs> Uh, that he comes up with a plan, and uh, we don't know what it, this is. The cliffhanger, and I'm honestly, I'm honestly excited to see where this is going because <laughs> it's not a foolproof plan, uh, and he's could, probably going to die. But either way, he would still cheat the gloating prince of the Sukord revenge his sadistic <laughs> mind craved so dearly. Is that the second use of Sukord? It is. Wow. All right. And that's there's no way that's a combination of two words or anything like that. It must again. It must just be something that whoever he's reading uses the word sukor, and he forgot to look it up. All right. Wow. Well, I mean, it's a hell of a cliffhanger. Yeah. And what he's doing, and he is uh, he's rending the sticky hulk of the rat, and then that's <laughs> his plan. And we don't know what it is. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's sort of like an adventure game where you're. You're locked in there in King's Quest and have to, not that you'd be familiar with King's Quest, but uh, you'd, uh, 
you'd you'd like then like you know form rat spine into key and then you'd like use rat spine on the hole and it would it would work that type of thing i guess that's what he's uh sort of what's going to happen here and we'll find out in the in the next section um i have a i have my guess can i guess sure uh i think does he i'm assuming he makes weapons of the skeleton since he's rending the sticky hulk <laughs> so either like his spine he could or he's going to take the claws off and he's going to sort of just hack at his he's going to fake that he's you know sick or something and and then hack at the guards right yeah i mean that has that hey that has to be it i would not would not entirely surprise me if that's not what it is <laughs> but i uh i do think that uh there should be a scene of someone rending the sticky Hulk in the next Marvel movie. If they, uh, they get, if they get a little R rated. Kind of oh, good heavens. Don't, uh, don't sucker me like that. My heavens. <laughs> All right. Well, I mean, that's, uh, I think that's it. That was, a, I mean, you know, you, you, you start this off and you're like, Oh, I hope we made a right decision. But this, I think proved that this was a good idea because this is fantastic. I mean, it's more fun to break it down than it is to sort of read it by yourself, but I hope everyone else is having a good time. Someone wrote in and said, uh, they were somewhat disappointed that it wasn't like a, a, a well, a, a vetted book by a publisher. Um, but I think this is, this does the job. He, he compared it to, uh, to Vogon literature, which I thought was a good description. Vogons are the people in Hitchhiker's Guide that, uh, that write the worst poetry in the universe, but this guy called it Vogon prose. Um, so oh, I, I thought that yeah. was, that, that was accurate. Um, you know, it's comically over the top. That was Jordan R. So I appreciate that comparison. Um, but I would say it, it, it was, I mean, it was vetted. Um, but uh, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's a, uh, that's a slap in the face to the editors of the Ozark Science Fiction Association Journal. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. It's, you know, uh, it was at least, it was read and published. I mean, right. I, it, it's the, it's the lowest bar, sure, but it did, <laughs> it did happen. Yeah, there was a alligator on the cover of the journal. I mean, what more do you want? And if you haven't yet, do check out the drawings that accompany this. Um, they're fantastic. What What is the second drawing? Let me just uh, scroll up to this. Yeah. Uh, the, the, the evil sort of count. He looks like. Yeah, uh, the evil count the guy. guy. He, he looks like the guy in uh, Jack the Giant Killer almost. Pendergast, I think. No, not Pendergast. Was it Pendergast? Jack the Giant Killer? There was a Pendergast? No, but there was a guy in Jack the Giant Killer that looked a lot like that. Uh, oh, I don't know. I don't know. Hmm. Oh, I know who you're talking about now, yeah. I mean, that's a very, very uh, basic um, villainous look. But I don't know. who Who's it supposed to be in the... Pendragon, that's what it was. Pendragon. Uh, in this book, I have absolutely no idea. Um, yeah, well, anyway, check check out the drawings. They're fantastic. But yeah, this is by, we'll have to look into where the drawings came from, because that says it's by like Jay Rikesh or Tony Rikesh. So maybe the Ozark Journal had people illustrating it, but it wasn't, it's like a, it's like a localization of a, of a Japanese video game in the eighties where just like people had no idea what they were supposed to be doing. So they just, they just wrote, he probably had some illustrations. He's like, yeah, they'll be good enough. It's similar. Yeah. I wonder what, uh. Jim Tice when he got it back and it was published and like who'd you get to do my illustration he doesn't look like that at all Rickish, come on. That hack. yeah <laughs> it's like when uh, when uh, when you see journalists who people are like this this headline was misleading and they're yeah. like for the one thousandth time I do not write the headlines like yeah. that's a completely different department oh well that's it I I had yeah. a ton of fun on this um I I kind of I was torn between going gosh I wish this went on longer. 
but also wrestling with the thick pros is not easy stuff, as you can yeah. tell. It's fun. Oh, yeah. It's fun, but at length, I wonder if you'd just go, ah, oh, ah. Oh. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. The fact that it was, because there's a lot to unpack, like you said, so it's it's good to take in these smaller doses. I wish it, yeah, I wish it was a little bit longer, but I think it's a, it'll be a good amount of Tice. Indeed. And uh, so, that's... Yeah. I Read through the end, I guess, for the next one. Yeah. We it's have, a little bit longer. Yeah. It's a little bit longer. Read it to the end, and uh, we'll work on it then. And maybe uh, we can also get some uh, mail in for the next episode. Could people yeah, be sending in definitely. stuff? Yeah. Yeah, send in your thoughts. Send in your uh, – I guess we probably don't have any. I mean, send in your fanfic. We'll Maybe we'll read a few if they're good. We won't be able to guess. But, yeah, get some uh, get some letters to us. We'd love to, to share those. Um, do a little mailbag. It'd be fun. And thanks again to our Patreon people. Um, Absolutely. Nice really of you to join us, and we appreciate it. And, yeah, you enjoy it earlier than everyone else. So, uh, you know, you can lord that over people, mock people if you want to, to yeah. taunt them. Yeah, just like that guy with the mug with a good grip on it. You can mock the others. <laughs> All right. I am Mike Nelson. I'm Connor Lestoka. Thank you. This is 372 pages. We'll never get back. <laughs>